movies and booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl, more for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. It is time for our movies and booze. Uh, we have with us uh, Mick O'Connell, uh, Fanula Jones and Esther McCarthy. Good afternoon to you all. Good Hi, guys. Hi. There How we go. You? Right, fantastic. And so, Esther, uh, the, uh, Boxing Day, is this the Halle Berry jobby? No, that's right. bruised. Um, that's right, okay. a movie in which she plays a boxer for Netflix. It's quite good, actually. I thought she was like an on. MMA person. You're right. Sorry. Yeah. Right, yeah, so it's all bit and the so tired of each other. It's pretty MMA much the same day, thing, yeah. <laughs> which it isn't anyway. Yeah. No, this one's a rom-com. Um, oh. It's uh, the first British movie uh, rom-com to be made with a totally black cast, which is kind of a little bit groundbreaking, but also why only now? Um, and it's quite sweet, actually. Um, it's uh, a guy by the name of Amal Amin, um, who is producing and writing and a star here as well. And it's kind of about this successful Londoner who comes back from the US with his uh, fiance and walks straight into a love triangle because he's left a bit of a mess there from when he was uh, last at home. So it's quite okay. good. Okay, I get quite the sense. Th- I get the sense this film has nothing to do with boxing. <laughs> it's Boxing Day, you see. Yeah, that's what, that's what the godless Brits call uh, St. Stephen's Day. Poor St. Stephen. Yeah. Well, I, I hope d- this I film like ends where they all go to hell. Uh, <laughs> I mean, are you, I'm usually allergic to films that are named after an occasion because it's an early warning system for yeah. me that there's absolutely zero imagination gone into it. Um, but as far as festive films go, like... I mean, I like this much more than the woeful and I don't understand why people celebrate it every year. Love Actually. Or I enjoy it more than the abomination that is the holiday. Oh, for God, save us tonight. Um, yeah. 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 So, yeah, there was a little bit going on here. It's nicely complex and uh, the performances are quite good. Uh, if you call a film The Unforgivable, you're really looking for a kick in, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, you are. It's, uh, yeah, it's Sandra Bullock's. I suppose her latest film is part of a big deal with her production company in Netflix, which, of course, gave us was it Bird Box last year, mm. which was a really big hit for Netflix, actually. I think it was one of the most viewed movies of all time on their platform. So there's been a lot of interest in this one to see what she was going to do next. Um, and there's Irish interest in this as well, because she's playing an ex-con who is trying to track down uh, her younger sister, who... Uh, she 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 was involved in a shooting. The um, Sandra Bullock's character twenty years earlier, um, when her sister was only five, and, and she has since been adopted, and is now in her twenties, and she's desperately trying to track her down. Uh, she's played by Ashling Franciosi, who's a Dublin Italian actress. Okay, um, who is making quite a name for herself in recent years. Actually, she's putting out great some great performances. Right, okay. Uh, and so she doesn't go to Ireland to, to find her or anything like that? or is she, no, 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 it's 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 based in, a, and actually like the the new generation of, just, of Irish actors who just blown it out of the park. Like she's, you'd no more know she had an Irish connection if you were watching this internationally because she just nails the American accent. Like you forget ah, to right. even look, okay. you forget to even think about it after a while, you know. Okay. So it's set in the US, yeah. Yeah, and that one's on Netflix though. That's from, from next week. That is currently in cinemas actually. Oh. It's one of those that Netflix release in cinemas first if they think something might be in a, with a chance of an award season run. Um, we're seeing a lot of them at the moment. I think they've got about, like, say, between last month and January, they've got, like, about 12 
movies that are going to be released in cinemas, which is indicative of um, they're pinning their hopes on them come award season. Oh. Uh, so that is in cinemas this weekend. It's, it's there right now or it'll be on Netflix from next Friday if you want to see it at home. Yeah, because why would you uh, if you already have Netflix, if you know what I mean? I mean, it'd be interesting to see the numbers on that. And I think there is a case like, you know, before all this madness happened, I saw um, Roma, uh, Alfonso Cuaron's beautiful, beautiful memoir about growing up in Mexico. Um, I saw that on the big screen. It was a Netflix title and I was so glad I saw it in the cinema because it was absolutely beautiful, shot in black and white and just every single frame of it. So I think for the more creative films, there is definitely a case to be made Mm. um, for seeing them on the big screen, you know. Is this one of them? <laughs> there's, there's a lot. There's a lot I liked about this. The reviews have been pretty kind, midland to poor, but there oh, was a okay. lot. I, I, for me, this it definitely held me. I, it definitely kept me guessing. But for me, it feels like a bit of a wasted opportunity, and there's lots of reasons for that. Maybe that we'll go into a bit later. Okie dokie. Right. So today, Mick, we're doing natural wines. Yes. Aren't all wines natural or is like these don't have antifreeze in them? Well, these ones thankfully don't have antifreeze in them, but they also don't have anything else in them. Um, oh, so they have wine in them. That they, would be they, a they, fairly they, important constituent they part. They have a wee bit of grapes, but, yeah. that, but that's kind of about it. Um, I, I, I was reading a cool article on the very good website All the Food and about how many cool places there are to drink natural wine in Dublin particularly. And um, so I said, let's do natural wine today. This one is from... Uh, Cava, it's Els Vignerons Vans Naturel, and it's a Jarello, so it is a it's a sparkling wine. Cava is one of those places that makes loads and loads and loads and loads of bulk wine. This is very much the opposite end of the stick. Okay. Then the other one is Ami and um, their wine called Gamino, which is a real hodgepodge mishmash of all sorts of grape varieties. The two things that link both of these is that they are, again, natural. And we, we are certainly in Dublin, but also in, in kind of Cork and Galway. We're pretty blessed with cool places to drink natural wine. So in Cork, you've got um, Bradley's sell amazing natural wine. In Galway, you've got Ain and Kai. And around where we are in the studio, you've got Loose Cannon and Frank's and stuff. There's loads and loads of cool places to drink natural wine and loads of places to buy natural wine. And natural wine means that the grapes have been grown in without any... You know, uh, so no pesticides, no pesticides herbicides, no chemicals um, in terms of the vineyard. But then importantly, in the winery as well, there's no additions um, and there's no kind of physical manipulations as well. So in the winery, you can do all sorts of things like filtration, fining. These yeah. are all things that, you know, it, depending on your ideology, you're taking out parts of the wine if you filter for example okay um, the other thing is that there is a list as long as your arm of additives that are allowed to be used in um in wine production very sexy titled ones like mega purple and velcarin and they are really things that you do not I'm want to yeah that sounds like, like <laughs> I love let's go to the club tonight and do some mega purple <laughs> But these are these are things that in the right amounts are absolutely poisonous in the wines that are used. They are taken out. So there is no residues in the wine. But do you want it in your wine in the first place? Yeah, um, probably And not. so how do how do they filter? They don't filter or find this wine at so, all. So the easy way to do filtering and fining in theory is just gravity and time. If, yeah. if, if you're patient with wine and you just leave it do its own thing, uh, particles and sediment will drop out naturally. Um, in terms of fining, 
Um, there are things that you can use that are natural, like eggs, egg whites. So mm. egg whites is a natural protein and that pulls some of the um, kind of, you can get all these hazes from wine. And if you use egg whites in it, you, you remove that possibility. Right. So uh, there's look, there's loads of things that are very natural in wine and most wine is certainly on the natural scale. It is grapes yeah. and it's yeast. You know, these aren't stuff, but then there are other wines that really have all sorts of weird stuff going into them. Yeah, but you won't get bits in this wine. It's not like thick cut marmalade. No, you won't get the, the occasional fingernail in there. Well, it's natural. Sadly, sadly not. Sadly not. Mm, I mean, crunchy. All the more fun. <laughs> right. Now, and uh, Fanula, your first story today is just how our culture has eaten itself. Um, a meme has turned into a movie. Yeah, when I first read this, I loved it. And then the more I sat with it, I was like, I hate it. I like the original stories. Just for anyone who isn't familiar with this, there's the story that goes around every Thanksgiving of this grandmother in Arizona who accidentally invited this guy to her Thanksgiving dinner and he ended up going and it was very cute, very sweet. And they've made it this tradition. Uh, her name is Wanda Dench. She seemingly had the wrong phone number. Text Jamal Hinton. He was in, he was a high school senior at the time. Um, she was basically like, come to Thanksgiving. And he was like, who is this? And she was like, your grandmother. And he was like, no, I, you're not my grandmother. Can I still come? And she was like, of course. Like, if, that's what grandmas do. It's very wholesome, right? But okay. now Netflix are Did she invite her actual grandson to do this? I, or is he just like even... spent years in the wilderness and said... <laughs> On your bike, I'm making money off this that's, guy. That's the Netflix movie I want, yeah, but yeah. no, apparently. The Netflix are making, it's called, going to be called The Thanksgiving Text, um, and it's basically just, it's going to tell the story of how this happened and the tradition and everything, which I do think kind of takes, as you said, it's culturing itself, it kind of takes the niceness out of this. And then also, from a practical perspective, there's not a full movie in this. Like, no, it's, no, unless, it's, unless there's some sort of friction or he, you know, uh, 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 there's a shooting or something. Now I, w- now, I will say the only thing is, like, sadly, with COVID, the grandfather was there, the grandfather passed away in April 2020, so that was the first, like, Thanksgiving dinner that they had without him. But if they make okay. that part of the movie, that's awful. Like, they can't do that either. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I hate it. They, they're on board. They give their blessing. They said, we are excited to share our story with the world. We hope it inspires more people to reach out and make connections that they wouldn't ordinarily make. We are so blessed to find a genuine friendship uh, brought together by God from a mistaken text message. Abdul Williams is writing the screenplay, but we don't have a director or a cast. This would never happen in Ireland because number one, we would never reply to a text like that. Yeah. Um, we just wouldn't. Like, we're oh, not... you might say, who is this? Click the link. No, yeah. yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> not with all the scam texts, I don't think. No. Yeah. Is I don't he, know, with, Was him and the granny, like, you know, a bit of a relationship, maybe? I, no, he, <laughs> he ended up bringing his girlfriend. It was all very wholesome. If you Google it, there's very cute pictures of them all throughout the years. It's right, so and terrible. they don't have a cast or anything? Or, no, it's no not cast. the original people are going to be in it or anything? No, like no, no not, not as of right now. Yeah. Uh, if I were anyone in Hollywood, I wouldn't be touching this as a barge pole, to be honest. But. but if it was memed, though, presumably millions of people memed it. That's not the right phrase, is it? Then, no, yeah, I don't know. How do you do, fellow that. kids? Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah. know. More as we have it. I'll let yeah. you know. Uh, so on, a, on a similar theme, uh, there's uh, it's not a huge... Uh, um, it's not a huge amount of people have signed it yet, but uh, the, the, there is actually a petition... Uh, to stop uh, Will and, uh, and Jadis uh, Pinkett Smith being interviewed yeah. at all, ever. So he's obviously on the promotional trail for King Richard and he just released his memoir called Will and he 
kind of I mean they're kind of known for oversharing anyway they have that interview series the Red Table Talk and last year they came to the Red Table as is the expression um, where Jade admitted that she'd had this affair and whatever and she's also kind of explicitly talked about the pair of them knocking boots whatever on the show and um, he's made some kind of other admissions about his own extracurricular activities in the book whatever and um, so this has prompted uh, this guy uh, to make this petition Dexter Morales on change.org which basically he's asking the media to stop interviewing them um, he didn't reveal his motivation but other people have commented on the petition <laughs> Some one person said everything I learned about this couple is against my will free us <laughs> and it has well it's not <laughs> <laughs> it has 11,000 signatures probably more um, since I've written this but yeah people just don't want to hear from them anymore well, they they have. Well, it's a funny thing, given that that so much of the media is made up of people vomiting up every single uh, personal detail of their lives. This that is the they've thing. gone so and far with it; it's jumped the shark. But then the other thing is, like I, like I just think if you love celebrities and you follow that and you're interested in that culture, you'll also give out if they don't give enough. You know mm. what I mean? And I know there's so many celebrities who I'm like. I want to know the ins and outs of your relationships because I'm a sad person. Maybe not specifically these two because they've shared so much already. Yeah. But I think other celebrities could be taking a note out of their book, to be honest, and do overshare. I want to know everything. You want to... Like, everything. He, I, I, even I've seen the feckin' red table thing. Like, that's, you know, I'm like, I don't know what year it is. But, <laughs> like, but like there's, there's nothing Will Smith could tell us in a book that we don't already know unless oh, he's tasted human uh, flesh at some point in his life. There is one thing that I'm not really sure if I can get into given that it is 20 past three and yeah, I'm go not on. sure. Yeah, do you give he, it, so he basically taught... There's, okay, there's one specific incident where he basically... Because obviously they've spoken about their sex lives before or whatever. He's made this... Which got a lot of headlines but when you actually look beyond the context of it it's kind of sad. He was cheated on as a teenager and the emotional kind of impact of it led him to basically become addicted to having sex mm-hmm. and led him to kind of have this what he described as a psychosomatic reaction to like coming to orgasm and stuff okay so obviously the headlines were all then like Will Smith has rampant sex all the time and won't stop talking about it and it led him to go a bit mad but when you actually read the extract it's quite sad but I think that's what prompted the petition as well because people were just like we don't want to hear about this I don't want to hear about what, what was, goes on what between was his Will reaction to, to, to coming to orgasm he was just like, just became obsessed with it, I think, and just... Oh, so he liked it? Yeah. Oh, right, well, that's really seriously bad. Nobody likes it. Oh, my God, this man needs an intervention. He, uh, he did not, it did not seem to be a good time in his life. Okay, he liked it a lot. Yeah. That is what he said. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Maybe more than the normal amount. Even still... (laughs) I, I I need to know what this scale. Yeah, is. yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> read the book. And how much is the normal book. amount anyway? <laughs> right. I'm not qualified enough for this. Yeah. Okay. And Mick, I won't ask you. Let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to uh, our first. What are is our first natural one? We're going to be talking uh, about. Today, we will do the kava first because it's right here in front of me. So this is um, kava is from it can be from all of Spain technically but the region that is kind of most famous for it is Penedes which is around Barcelona quite close to Barcelona about an hour's drive um this is this is an area that up until prosecco kind of stealing its thunder in a big way used to be the big thing for good value fizz so you have kind of major brands like Fregenet and Codorniu that certainly pre-prosecco were doing 100 million bottles a year like major 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 production um I sat outside Codor New uh, one September around harvest time 
had a lunch while I was there, a cup of tea out of a flask, went in, did a visit, about two hours later came out and the tractors that were in a queue that wound the whole way two miles down the road were still in the exact same position and the wasps coming after the the grapes and all this kind of stuff was just Ew. chaos. But it, it's just going to show you how much grapes you have to process in order to, to make 100 million bottles. It's, it's a ridiculous amount of fruit that goes through. Um, so just trying to do that in September time at harvest, harvest should, like for a smaller guy like this, El Vigneron Vins Naturel, harvest will last a week or two, as in grapes coming in, and then the wine production lasts years in this case. But for someone like Coronu, they're doing it over two months, and it is absolutely on an industrial scale. Mm. It's very, very, very difficult to kind of control the quality. In fact, they do an amazing job putting through that amount of fruit. They do make really, really good wine. This particular one is quite a different style. It's really, really funky in terms of how it's made. Um, you, it has to be, it has to follow the rules of Cava. So they have to do a fermentation in bottle. A second fermentation in bottle is how you get the fizz in. So you start with a dry wine, then you add a little bit of sugar and yeast to get a second fermentation. Then you put this kind of champagne closure on it and the second fermentation keeps the, keeps the bubble inside. So that is how you get the champagne. That's the champagne method. Um, but then other than that, they're not adding any sulfites, which is pretty unheard of in kind of sparkling wine mm. um, production. Randomly, most sparkling wines have really, really quite high acid. It's part of the style. And if you have high acid, you actually, in general, you don't really need to add sulfites. Sulfites tend to be one of those things that are added as an antioxidant and an antimicrobial. But the acid in most really high acid wines does that job for you. So you don't have to add it. The thing here is if there's sugar left in, in the wine, so a lot of sparkling wine, champagne included, will have a little bit of sugar in it. So all of your kind of famous champagnes like Moet and Verclicot and Bollinger will have eight to 10 grams of, of sugar in them because they have that bit of sugar. You would need to add sulfites because it blocks the sugar turning bad. basically. Mm. Um, but look, this guy, in terms of style, this is Alex and Amos. And they're two guys who just in Penedes wanted to make wines of terroir. So wanted to make wines of their environment. They're using this grape Jarello, which is a, a, a local grape, gives that kind of citrusy hazelnut thing. But it's a it's really quite a different style of sparkling wine. Um, And because I was stuck in that anti-mask protest on the way here, I haven't even opened it for you yet, but I will at the first act. It was an anti-mask protest. There were standard three people stopping the whole... uh, Yeah, I don't know what they're protesting about because there is no COVID. Uh, There's nothing to worry about. Uh, Everything's perfectly fine. You're going to London during the holidays. Why did you say it's essential to promote this book? It's the perfect opportunity for me to meet your family. I don't even want to see my family. Is this about Boxing Day where your parents announced their divorce and you fled to America? Melvin McKenzie, he's taking Hollywood by storm. I fell in love with this beautiful American woman. Can you find a British girl now? Merry Christmas, guys. I wanted to introduce you to my fiance. Melvin! Georgia Filaron Show is your ex-girlfriend. She is a superstar. It is in the past. We've had sex to her music. Ooh. Okay, uh, that's uh, Boxing Day, uh, which is out now, not on Boxing Day, I assume. Uh, yes. So, Esther, what's what's the scale here? Um, the scale is, I th- like, I enjoyed this a lot more than I expected, I suppose, first of all. Now, it's not reinventing the wheel or anything. It's a three-star rom-com, you know. But I liked, I think it really benefits from the cultural adjustments. Um, because when we get British-based um, 
British based kind of rom-coms, you know, first of all, people in British rom-coms tend to be borderline unhinged a lot of the time. Mm. So that's always a bit strange. So you're not getting kind of deranged Londoners giggling around a tree here. You're getting proper Londoners, proper characters, fully drawn characters. Like the scenario is still just a little love triangle. The storytelling is very slight. Uh, but these were people like they were good company, you know, and it, it's there's a lot of talent involved here as well, because it's the directorial debut of a guy by the name of Amal Amin, who you will know if you've seen. Actually, he's done a lot of big things lately, but you'll know if you've seen I May Destroy You. Um, he played the main character's friend Simon in that. Ah. Um, so I think he's having a bit of a run. At the moment, he's been doing a few US series as well and decided, you know what, I want to make a I've, I've had directorial ambitions. I want to make my own movie. And he's screen wrote, screen wrote it as well, which could be dodgy. You know what I mean? If someone's all over something and mm. there's not there's not enough no people around them, maybe that doesn't work. But it can, it can come across as a vanity project. But I actually quite liked it. And I think he's been thoughtful about his casting as well, um, because you've got um Little Mix, uh, Little Minx star uh, Leanne Pinnock, who's making her movie debut here, playing a pop star, but doing it quite well um, and not too far from home from her. But you've also got Marianne Jean-Baptiste, um, a brilliant, brilliant British actor who was so fantastic in Secrets and Lies. If you remember Mike Lee's film, she was the woman who was um, trying to find her mother after being adopted. And um, was, there was so much kindness from her character in that film. It's one of my favourites of all time. But when she shows up in something, you're going, OK, there's a little bit of calibre going on here. I think there's a little bit of class going on here. And it 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 makes the most, I suppose, of thin premise, I found. Um, so it kind of is, it involves a love triangle. Uh, as I said, the first British rom-com to feature predominantly black cast. I mean, imagine... Um, it's raw around the edges, I think, in its storytelling and, and maybe that his, you know, him making his debut shows there. Uh, but the characters, uh, yeah, it was they're properly complicated. I could get on board with them and root for them. And as I say, just because of the cultural shift, it had a lovely offbeat sense of humour to it um, that you don't often see in British rom-coms. Like at one stage, he is trying to win back his fiance with a big romantic gesture and it's very silly and very kind of what you see at the end of rom-coms and his sister who's a very down-to-earth uh, kind of character says bruv them things don't work no more come on <laughs> and then he's just oh my like, god i felt bother. like i was on the set of eastenders there for a moment <laughs> i really shouldn't have done that today. <laughs> <laughs> sorry everybody <laughs> anyway um amal Amin plays melvin he's a british author He's kind of a rising star in publishing and he's spent the past couple of years living in the US away from his extended and very colourful London family. Uh, But he decides he can't kind of put it off any longer and he decides to come home for Christmas and introduce his fiancée, Lisa, who's played by Aja Naomi King, another really, really good actor, um, to his clan. Now, she's mad about him, but she's kind of conflicted about the timing. He's proposed to her right, at the very beginning of the film, but they decide to keep it a secret until they get home to London and announce to the family. She's a bit conflicted by the proposal, even though she's mad about him, because he doesn't know she has just been offered a big job in New Zealand and is really tempted at the prospect of moving there, but hasn't had the chance to raise it with him yet. And now this engagement, as happy as she is about it, has kind of muddied her plans a bit further. Um, so what she doesn't know, though, Lisa, is she's like she is walking into a disaster. First of all, Melvin left quite a lot of loose ends when he moved out of, out of, 
moved to the US two years earlier. Um, he departed kind of suddenly. There, we find out why later on in the film, and there was a lack of contact since that, which has caused tensions with a lot of members in his family. Um, but it also emerges that he left a very serious relationship um, with his ex-girlfriend, Georgia, who's played by the Mink star, um, Leanne Pinnock, mm. um, who has since gone on to become a really successful singer. Um, Lisa is a big fan of hers, but has no idea... Uh, as she listens to this singer's music while she makes love with her fiancé, that he is such a big presence in her life and that was a big ex, the one that got away sort of thing. So all of this is waiting to be revealed to her when she when she travels to London. Um, and to make the situation worse, Georgia, the ex, has stayed in very close contact with his family members and, in fact, counts his sister as one of her best friends. Okay. So very, very messy. Um, and Melvin should frankly know better because uh, yeah. the reason... Well, she the reason totally he, dump him. He, he's yeah, lied to her. I know, but you wouldn't have a film then. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, he hasn't lied. He's been economical with the truth, I would say. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, how he thought he was going to go over to London and this wasn't going to happen is a bit silly. But uh, the reason Melvin left, though, was his own family heartache uh, when his father suddenly broke up with his mother two years earlier. He couldn't cope with it. He couldn't cope with the family imploding. She's played by uh, the, the aforementioned Marion Jean-Baptiste, who was brilliant here. And uh, she has a new relationship as well. She's found love with um, a white guy who she hasn't yet introduced to her family. So there's two kind of big love triangle, intergenerational things going on there, you know. And I think what it tries to do is break down a few of the conventions we're used to seeing rom-coms um, uh, and, and, and by the introduction of these characters and they're not perfect, they're raw around the edges, but they do feel fully formed. They don't feel like prototypes, which we get so often in rom-coms these days. Um, I think it's having its cake and eating it as well, though, because it's trying to be, look at us, we're the anti-rom-com, but ultimately the absolute yeah. predictability of, of itself as it approaches um resolution you know but there's a lot of fun along the way you know there's a lot of colorful characters and there's a lot of kind of believable romance like the love triangle feels properly complicated you know because it isn't just this bad ex-girlfriend like she has been wronged as well so even though you're invited to be on board with the protagonist of the new fiance um you have a certain certain amount of sympathy at the very least for, yeah. for the, the woman who was left behind as well uh, so the big job in, the big job in new zealand what was it what she works, she's she works in publicity. I can't remember what it was. I don't know if we were ever told, but she works in publicity. I don't know, like big job in New agent. Zealand isn't a phrase so. you hear every day, really. <laughs> like, unless it's like president of New Zealand. Sorry, no offense to any Kiwis uh, uh, listening there. Okay, well it's, uh, it sounds grand. Uh, it's make grand, yeah. grand, yeah, 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 grand. Uh, uh, in big letters on the poster. Uh, that was <laughs> that's lovely. That cabin make, I must say, it's absolutely. It's it's good, right? Uh, it's it's really nice indeed. Uh, the uh, hashtag, by the way, is uh, doll movies. Uh, uh, Brian on Twitter. Well, actually, he should be disqualified because uh, his title has nothing to do with dolls, but it's called uh, The Many Comings of Will Smith, uh, which isn't actually a <laughs> name of a movie, uh, as far as I know, unless it's some sort of... Uh, <laughs> unless there's some sort of revelation in his, his biography that we don't know about yet. Um, uh, also, as we, we will be hearing from Esther, Sandra Bullock is in prison at the moment. We'll be getting out shortly. So she's not going to appear in Magic Mike 3. What, what was the idea of inviting her to be in it? 
so yeah this was confirmed this week uh, Channing Tatum had it up on his social media it's going to be called Magic Mike's Last Dance and it's kind of all the same people Steven Soderbergh is directing uh, Reed Carlin is on writing duties I think they decided to come back to it because Soderbergh said he was inspired by the stage show so I think that will tell us a lot about the plot of this upcoming movie because I don't think there's a lot of plot in the stage show mm. but I mean I'm open to being corrected um, but they are starring uh, Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock are starring opposite each other in Lost City of D which I don't know much about it's not out till next year here um, and I think he asked her to be in it but she said no because everyone would be too distracted by her uh, stripping prowess because for anyone who doesn't know Magic Mike is Predominantly about stripping. I'm sure it's about coming up in the world and yeah. challenging. Is it about male stripping though? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It could have been groundbreaking, you know, have the women in it, get the get the women's kit off. I think women strippers in a movie isn't really groundbreaking. Mm. I think we may have seen that before. Mm, you've got me there. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. hustlers as well. So yeah, fair, fair. But anyway, well, Sandra like, Bullock was like, absolutely not, I'm not doing this. So. And right. probably better for another movie not to touch with a 10-foot part ball. So. Uh, yeah. I, can't, I don't think I've ever seen any of the Magic Mikes. Were I've any seen good? the first one and it's very... I don't know why I was looking at you, Mick. <laughs> yeah. uh, you were looking at me incredulously and they're like, what are you joking? It's <laughs> very... I, I enjoyed it for obvious reasons. Visually, very appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has a very good cast. And that, like, it, and it, but it also didn't really know whether it wanted to be like a comedy or a drama. Like, uh, what's his name? Matthew McConaughey's in it. Oh, and his, yeah. His role yeah. was like, he's like the ringleader and it was really strange. I didn't see the second one, but it Again, that also a really like stacked cast, but I don't know where where else this story goes. It's a clearly like he strips one last time, so it's this whole thing of how he gets there and why he makes the decision to. But I, it's going to make a boatload of money regardless. Yeah. So like, the first one is ten years. It was Channing Tatum in the first 2012, one? Twenty twelve, yeah. And yeah. then the second one was Magic Mike XXL was twenty fifteen. Right. So. so in this one, like Channing Tatum's like gone to hell uh, uh, and like yeah. there's a huge beer belly flops out. Yeah. Every time she takes his clothes. <laughs> That's that. Uh, yeah. I'd actually be tempted to I see would that. Watch that. Yeah. yeah. I would watch that. I hope yeah. he's listening. Yeah. I really uh, hope he's listening. Uh, and yes. <laughs> that's the role that Sandra Bullock is supposed to have and she holds up a stomach so people can see his genitals right okay let's uh, move on to our red wine then because it's delicious this is very 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 yummy this is from a producer called Ami um, and it's a wine called Gamino and it's from the 2020 vintage so it's, it, it's, it's a young wine it's only only a year old basically but, but Ami in, in French is friends and this is two friends Paul and Willie who met doing um, Harvest both in Burgundy and Languedoc um, and decided that they were going to set up a, a wine project and they've set up a wine project in the Morange which is the, the very kind of deep south of the Cote d'Or in Burgundy um, like a lot of people um, kind of younger people who are trying to get into Burgundy they're micro negotiants so they very small producers, but they buy all the grapes. They don't own any land. It's like realistically, unless you're a kind of a massive insurance company or you were born into owning the land, it's highly unlikely that you're going to be buying any vineyards in in Burgundy. Um, but but like people like Roche and Curly, they they have to buy the fruit that they're um, that they produce the the wines with. This particular one is quite weird in that it's a mishmash of all of the grapes that are allowed in Burgundy. So the famous grapes that are allowed in Burgundy are Pinot Noir for red and Chardonnay for white. And then you have two kind of minor grapes that are Gamay for red and Alagotte for white. Mm. And these guys, they produce all four of those grapes. And effectively for Gamino, they 
chuck all four into one tank and make this wine. It's it's quite a, it's quite a deep purple colour. So yeah. there's there's nothing to really give away that there are white grape varieties involved, but but there are, and and there has. I suppose the only thing that does give it away is that there's this kind of floral prettiness to the wine, but it is super, super drinkable, like a really and, refreshing wine. And is are the proportions that there's less white wine? Because I, I don't know, I don't know, but I thought it was equal amount you get a kind of a blush looking type wine. So, so if you were to just blend the finished wines, you would end up with a blush. But actually, in in most appellations, so in most kind of wine law, you actually just aren't allowed blend white and red and mm. and, and, and take the appellation. It's just unnatural. It's yeah. Just unnatural. How dare you? But but what is like how rosé is made? It's made with red grape varieties. And even though the flesh of the grape is white, it's the amount of time that the skin of the grape is in contact with the with the juice. Basically, that's how you get the color. So in this scenario, they're going to have squished all the grapes and left the Pinot and Gamay in contact with the white juice for a longer period of time to get a darker colour. Yeah. Um, these guys are, are super trendy in the natural wine scene in France. They're at all the tastings. They're in every cool wine bar in Paris. And I have to say, for a, a long time, I resisted liking them, even though the <laughs> wine was really good. But the wine is just delicious. Um, it's kind of hard to get back the deliciousness factor you just want to go back and drink more and more and, and is, it, is it common or very unusual to blend uh, white red, uh, white grapes and red grapes and come up with a red wine so in in Champagne for example they do Blanc de Noir they do a white wine from red grapes um, but it is pretty unusual for, for well there's there's Cote Roti in the Rhone Valley is probably the most famous place so they, they would say do 95-96% Syrah with 4 or 5% Viognier um, hmm. And that actually fixes the colour of the wine and again adds this kind of floral note to it. So, But other than that, the Shiraz Viognier blend, it's not really a common thing to do um, yeah. red grapes and white grapes together, but it really works. Cer- certainly on this wine, it's absolutely delicious. It is absolutely delicious. Dogs and cats living together. Uh, <laughs> right, so there's going to be a second season of Only Murders in the Building. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, I haven't watched this. I might make it a Christmas watch because what what I've heard has been good. I'm not a big true crime person to be honest and the whole but it's not really is it it's like it's, it's, it's not Martin I know it's, Short and Steve it's more comedy yeah. but it follows these kind of these true crime obsessives and yeah. then a murder actually happens in their building hence the title and they try and kind of figure out what happens themselves and as you said uh, Steve Martin Martin Short Selena Gomez um, Cara Delevingne has just signed up for the next series now is she replacing somebody um, I'm not sure. Uh, she's a character named Alice, um, described as a sophisticated art world insider who becomes enmeshed in the mystery that's ongoing. Um, she doesn't have a great track record with acting, so I would be intrigued to okay. see that. What was she in? She was in that big science fiction thing. She was in, she's in Carnival Row, which is on Prime now, which I haven't seen, I will say, but she was in the original Suicide Squad that they basically redid because the first one was yeah, so bad. Yeah. She was in Paper Towns, which was a book adaptation, was not good. Um, but like this series, Hulu have it in the States. We obviously have it on Disney Plus over here. But they said it's their most watched original comedy series. So really? yeah. Now they're kind of the same with all streamers. They're very sketchy on like actual viewing details and numbers. Yeah, but... I thought like they had Selena Gomez in it because so people would go, would watch it and, and then be introduced to these two septuagenarians. Yeah. No, one, no one remembers it yeah. anymore. Uh, um, 
sort of thing. You know, oh, they think the two old men think they're funny. It's very, kind of vibe, it's very know? strange casting, but it seems to work. Like most okay. of what I've heard has been pretty positive, so I do think I'm going to give it a go for Christmas. I must say, I've always found Martin Short intensely annoying. Oh, really? Yeah, he's like a guy who makes jokes. Or, you know, somebody who goes, you love this one. This one's hilarious. And they punch you in the in the arm as they're telling you the joke. And then they urinate themselves with mirth after they finish the joke. And it's not funny. That's Martin Short for me. It's a pretty good description, I would yeah, say, though. Thank yeah. you. Uh, uh, Martin Short is tiny, apparently. So yeah. he couldn't actually reach your arm if he was trying to punch it. <laughs> anyway, Esther, shall we move on uh, to our second uh, uh, movie of the day? Uh, it is The Unforgivable. Let's find out, is it? Here's a clip. Getting information, you got yourself a lawyer. What you think that's gonna be, huh? It's none of your business. It's none of my business. What? You trying to contact your sister? It's my right. No, you lost those rights 20 years it's ago. It's my family. Blood doesn't make you family. Ruth, get that shit out your head. It's a reason why your sister hasn't contacted you. You're a convict. All she knows of you is as a killer. She's probably scared of you. Let that girl live her life. Your life starts here now, not 20 years ago. She's actually better off without you. Oh, right. Okay, so Esther, we already know it's uh, filled with characters with potty mouths. Uh, uh, What else can you tell us about it? Yeah, I mean, I've always liked Sandra Bullock, first of all. I wanted to like this and I was on board with her playing against type because she's very much this kind of working class, haunted, rough looking um, from two decades behind bars, why wouldn't you look a bit washed out? Uh, and, and she's this character named Ruth Slater. So she is newly released from prison. We learn early on she has served 20 years for killing a policeman during uh, a forced eviction from her home where she was with her much younger sister, uh, who was only five at the time. And I was kind of going, OK, this is a bit slow. It's a bit ploddy but I'm on board with it I'm invested in these characters and then deep into the late stages of the film something happens you'll know it when you see it and I went oh for the love of God do you actually expect me to believe this Um, and it was just kind of where I was lost then and it's a shame because I think there's a heap of potential here um She's kind of hope. She's this character who's hopeful of a better way of life, Ruth, um, but resigned to the fact that she's unforgivable. Basically, that you've shot a, a, a policeman. So, as the title of the film suggests, that society's not willing to let her move forward. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, when if you've done your time, when I thought that could be an explored more and would have been an interesting story. As I say, her sister, who's played now by Ashling Franciosi, our own Ashling. Um, was only five when the events occurred and she has since been adopted. Uh, Ruth is desperate to track her down, but her own adoptive parents have done their very utmost because it was a traumatic situation, uh, partly, uh, and because they don't want this woman back in Katie's, their daughter's life. Um, So they've done their very utmost to kind of erase any memories, faint memories that she might have. Uh, And they've never told her what happened that day or shown her the very many letters that her sister has sent throughout her time in prison and since um, trying to reach her. She would be in massive breach of her parole if she approached her sister, um, but she's nonetheless desperate to find her. She enlists the help of um, a lawyer who's played by the great Vincent D'Onofrio. He takes on the case against the better advice of his wife, who's played by Viola Davis, a really good cast here, as you can see. Um, So... 
they bring in a whole plot thread then. And I went, does this even need to be here at all? Uh, because there's enough story going on there, you know. But no, here's a whole subplot about the two sons of the murdered officer who have heard that the father's killer has been released and they're hatching their own plan to get revenge on her. That could have been another film. Um, it doesn't tie in any satisfying way into the rest of the story for me. Um, it felt like a subplot. What, what was a very busy film already. Um, but as I say, I was kind of well on board to, into the very late stages of this until I went, I had my ah uh, here now moment. Ah, right, okay. Um, and I did kind of, it did kind of fall apart on me then. You know, right, it's okay. a pity. The potential here was good, I think. The potential here was really good. Uh, and uh, what about Sandra Bullock? Uh, we know she's not planning to be a male stripper. Uh, so uh, what, what was she like in this, playing against type? I thought she was really good in it. Um, I, as I say, I've always liked her. Mm. Um, I think she has a likability. I think it's good that she's trying to do something different here. She's obviously an exec producer on this as well because it's produced through her production company with Netflix as part of a deal she has. Um, we will we'll be seeing more Netflix movies from her, I'm sure. Um, but I, yeah, no, I bought her uh, until I just I, I I always get really baffled when something so obviously kind of stumbles, and it must have been at the script writing stage. I'm kind of I, you know I go like it's the first thing that's completed. It's before anything's filmed, before anyone's cast, and you kind of go, you had two years with that script. Like, did you mm. not think maybe this isn't working? You know. Uh, and I, I only say that I'm sounding super harsh, but I'm only saying it is because there is the bones of a really good um, family kind of moral dilemma drama here, I think, you know, and it's still there largely intact. But I just think it, a bit of watching, a bit of edi- a, a bit of editing, a bit of screenplay doctoring with this would have made such a better film for me. Ah, well, that's a shame. Anyway, OK, so two movies there that are like... Mm if you know what I mean. Right, okay. Uh, We were trying to give away 24 grand today. Uh, uh, Thanks, of course, to uh, uh, Mick and Fanula and Esther. Movies and Booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl, more for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie.